What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Evidence Podcast, the podcast where real people share real stories to show real evidence of a very real God. As always, recording from Knoxville, Tennessee, I'm your host, Daniel Brooks. Hi, everybody. And joining me from Danville, Illinois, he is no longer a coffee roaster, but an associate pastor, a youth minister, and still coaching cross country and track. He is Coach Jordan Lane. What's up, everyone? We missed you last week, man. I know, right? So it's good to have you back. With a, a, a new fresh mic, not the I mic, know, but right? the cord well, works. So. Yeah. Amen. Glory be. <laughs> and joining us from New Haven, Connecticut, Thor's twin brother, JT Shavers. All right, hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about twin. Yeah, I'm probably, he's, he's a little older than me. Huh? <laughs> so, so younger brother. Yeah, I'm his younger brother. The only question that I have received from anyone concerning our podcast is whether or not you have watched Lord of the Rings yet. Oh. <laughs> is that a question from you? No, that question is actually from some of my family members, like three of them, who have texted me and been like, hey, has Jordan watched Lord of the Rings yet? So, update? No. No, well, <laughs> get on that. <laughs> You've had like three months now. <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of months. Oh, man. So just, just watch it. You won't, like, I guarantee you, it will make your life better. I guarantee, so, like, I would not recommend a bad thing to you. So it didn't work for me. <laughs> so, is there the ability to be able to watch these things for free? If is, you know somebody who has them and you could borrow them, is it on Disney Plus? No, no, not Lord of the Rings. They may be on a Star Wars is though. They were so, on Netflix. But yeah, hey, Star Wars is. Star Wars yeah. is. So that's there you true. go. Um, yeah, that's true. You can go watch Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're on a streaming service or not. They may be, I but I guarantee you, exists. if you like get up in front of, of one of any, any of your groups at church and you say, Hey guys, I need to borrow someone's copy of the Lord of the Rings. They will give you a copy. So I'm actually preaching this Sunday. Yeah. So in front of the whole congregation be like breaker right there. Morning, be like, morning I have church. not seen Lord of the Rings and I need someone to lend me like, their copy. Like I want a church. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. As you're turning there, how many of you have all of the Lord of the Rings? Because I really need to get to watch in the special edition. You need the special edition, the special edition with yeah. all the things. The yeah. old lady in the back. There's wizards in there. <laughs> that's of the devil. <laughs> that's that's of Satan. Like, no, the, so I mean, even from a Christian perspective, though, like Tolkien was a Christian, and there are tons of Christian like analogies and picturesque things that is done, especially in the book. Now, in the movie, eh, not so much, but in the book, there are a ton of things. It's essentially um, Narnia because him and C.S. Lewis were close, weren't they? They they were friends, but they're it's two different stories. It's not essentially. Narnia. Oh man, you've only As- seen it once. Aslan's not in this, this no. one. Dang. No, no but I Aslan was in, I don't even know if there's any talking animals in this one. Aslan was in Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Is that racist? I'm pretty sure that was racist. No, 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 no. You ever seen Shang-Chi? No, Shang- I haven't. That's hard to say. Shang-Chi. <laughs> um, and the Ten Rings or whatever. Anyway, they go to this like they had to go through this like uh forest and then it brings them to this like hidden land. Is that like and, and I, I made I made a joke I made a joke that it was like oh they made it to Narnia and then as soon as I made the joke it pans over like this like lion creature <laughs> is this Christina, like a Christina's so it, like it's Aslan <laughs> it, it, it is Kung Fu Panda <laughs> uh, kind of yeah there's Kung Fu esque panda ness to it there's dragons and stuff shout yeah. out to Jack Black yeah what a guy uh, yeah. 
Well, as you can see, we're glad to all be back together after Jordan not being with us last week. Today's date is March 9th, 2022. And when you're listening to this, it is not March 9th, 2022. But as always, we have a great episode in store for you today. And we are just so glad that you're here joining us and hanging out with us for this time. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Positive news time, guys. Uh, JT, what you got this week? Okay, so I am going to the country of Kenya, um, where Daniel has country. been before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you nice. you may know exactly like... I used to call it home. Is. Yeah, you may know exactly where this is once I start talking about it. So in the uh, Samburu National Reserve in northern Kenya. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Daniel. I was not so much in north. I definitely went more west and south. Okay. Gotcha. So, yep. So, um, so anyways, there was a, uh, a set of twin elephants that were born recently, which is apparently a very rare thing in elephants. So less than 1% of, of elephant births are twins. Well, the last one was in 2006 that was actually recorded, but it's basically in this reserve. They've got the twins, but interesting fact that I did not know is that elephants are actually pregnant for 22 months before they give birth. They give birth every four years, or that's how close they can give birth. But this is, you know, kind of in a reserve in that area for the elephants. They were saying because of all the poaching in that area, the elephant population had gone down pretty hard, hit a low in 1989 with 16,000 elephants. In 2018, that had doubled to 34,000. The last census that they did, which is in 2021, have a little over 36,000 elephants in that area. So it just kind of shows you that like poach the elephants and kill them all the time and they, they'll survive. Uh, so anyways, yeah, thought that was a kind of a cool thing. They're monitoring the kids. So apparently it's it's kind of rare that when twin elephants are born that they even survive because the mother's not able to produce enough milk. But they do think that it's, it's very favorable. Uh, they were born back in February and they're currently still alive. So it should be good. They're kind of past that home stretch that they were looking at. So hopefully they make it. It's a it's a boy and a girl elephant twin. So yeah, yeah, kind cool. of a fun story. Yeah. Um, where I was at was Nairobi, Kenya, and they're located as Nairobi National Park. And there's actually no elephants in the park because it's a hazard to the city. But nearby, if you've ever seen the pictures of like a giraffe will come up to a hotel room and stuff, right? You ever seen those? Mm-hmm. I have not. Okay. Um, but they're like all over social media. And so that's Giraffe Manor. And you can go there and feed giraffes or you could stay at the hotel and have giraffes show up at your window in the morning. But right next to that is an elephant orphanage. You got to see like little baby elephants there. And that's where if they're ever found stranded in the wild and they're taken there and you get to watch them be bottle fed and and all that. So that's really cool. But yeah, I mean, in in Kenya, it's a huge problem with the whole ivory, uh, which is completely Mm -hmm. legal. And when they find like ivory tusk and stuff, instead of giving it out or selling it, they just burn it. And it's kind of mm, crazy. Interesting. Just, like put it to that much waste. So, right. But yeah. Story cuts straight to my heart being a dad of twins. So well done on that. Mine Thanks. are two boys that are three. Shout out to Aaron and Jackson. So I'm just going to read the headline of my story and then get right to it. He was quoted $50,000 to fix the church clock, but all it took was a can of WD-40. There's this church in Grimsby, England, built around 14th century. And there's a clock there and it had been stuck at two past 12 for 12 years. And the church minister was considering getting it repaired, 
brought some engineers that worked on the Big Ben restoration, and they said that this tower would need scaffolding that would cost approximately fifty-three dollars to $67,000. And so this church didn't have the money. They're just getting ready to do a capital campaign for it. And then a pair of locals, 47-year-old Rick Haywood and his 15-year-old student Jay Folly decided that, you know what, let's take a look at it. He went over there and wouldn't you know it, he found dead pigeons that were gumming up the bearings. And some of the bearings were very dry, so they added grease, some WD-40, and they got it running. Man. Um, Afterwards, Haywood was quoted as saying, we saved them at least 40,000 pounds, so I'm hoping for a church meal invite. (laughs) (laughs) Which, at this point, like, don't you think that's the least you could do for the guy that saved your church, like, almost $50,000? So if you have a clock that's not working, just try some WD-40 because maybe there's a dead pigeon in your clock. Yeah. Simplest answer is almost always the right answer. It's just WD-40 for everything. Yeah. So as an insurance adjuster, that story hits me in the heart because (laughs) I deal with stuff like that all the time where (laughs) it's like, I mean, it's just the fix should be so simple. It shouldn't cost more than $500. And then before you know it, you know, you've got a contractor coming in there being like, that's going to be $380,000 to renovate yeah. this house. And it's like, whoa, 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 we're not renovating the house. Yeah. Like we're just fixing a water stain. Like it just needs a coat of paint. You know, let's yeah. look at this reasonably here. So, so yeah. Yeah. Good way of relating to each other's story. Yeah. There you go. Look, that was, look, at, almost coordinated. look yeah, at us so go. So <laughs> glad then, that uh, JT reached your heart with twins and Jordan, you reached JT's heart and with struggle issues. <laughs> but just to transition really well, Daniel's going to reach all of our hearts. All of our hearts. That's exactly where I was going with this. Because if you have been keeping up with the times, the unfortunate events of Russia versus Ukraine is still going on. Hopefully not going on while this happens, but most likely will be, unfortunately. But with that said, um, I've been trying to look all over for positive news within this because I never want to belittle the situation, but I also do want to try to find some type of smile out of it. But the biggest thing that I really have just admired throughout all of this is the way that the Ukrainians are stepping up and really just taking it for their, their family as far and for their country, as far as just their, a lot of them are not fleeing. A lot of them are staying back and fighting. There are reports of an MMA boxer that has come home to fight as much as he can for his country. There is a beauty queen that is has come back to Ukraine to fight for her country. And the man that I really just have admired so much through all of this is the president of Ukraine. And so mm-hmm. someone asked him, they said, or they kept trying to get him to, to leave the country. They kept trying to give him cars to get out and you know find a way out. He said, hey, stop trying to find me a way out and give me more ammo. And man, when I when I heard that, I was just like, whoo. <laughs> I mean, our pastor actually kind of used that that as a sermon illustration, even so, because how many times are we in a predicament in our life that we're trying to find a way out when, truth be told, if we would stick in it and just ask for more ammo, then we could get through our situations. But man, the patriotism, I guess, is, is admirable about it, but just the love that they're having for one another and uh, their own families and surrounding families and all of the many, many, many volunteers from all over the world that have gone into dangerous areas to help rescue people and provide for people throughout this situation. I mean, 
that can't go unnoticed. It is extremely horrible what's happening and extremely sad. And again, that's, I don't want to belittle that, but there is encouragement and there is positivity for us to have here on positive news, the way that people are showing up and, and really showing out in these situations. Yeah. So, yeah. And for those of you listening, if you think that there's nothing that you can do, there positively is something that you can do. First of all, you can pray, pray for the people of Ukraine, pray for the president, for military, everything like that. And if you remember our guest, Jonathan, a while ago, he works with Global Infusion. And if you go on their Instagram page, they are boots on the ground doing work there right now. And there's opportunity for you to financially give and support what they're doing. So I wanted to give that plug for those of you that want to get involved and play some kind of part in helping relief and helping Ukraine out in the midst of all of this pray. And there are opportunities to give like through global infusion. And I'll go ahead and plug that a little bit more because I know a little bit more about it. Yeah. Um, so if you want to give financially, what you can do is go online to globalinfusion.org, uh, go to the select a missionary, and then in the missionary name, uh, put Ukraine. And then it'll designate that immediately to them. They're making transfers about every three days right now because uh, there is a pretty good bit of people giving to that. Basically, we have a guy uh, on the border of Ukraine and Poland that is helping with a lot of the refugees coming over. And then we also have a pastor who is in Ukraine right now um, with helping his church and then helping ministry there. So there uh, he actually now if you I'm not going to give his name because we don't know safety situations over there, but he's a pastor who lives in Ukraine there. Uh, he does have a wife and I believe four kids. Uh, the wife and kids are in Poland uh, with our with our friend over there that we know. Um, but he's he voluntarily went back into Ukraine to help out with his community during all of that. So, you know, definitely keep them in your prayers. It's going to be a long road ahead of them. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of fear um, and all of that. So, yeah, keep them in your prayers. But if you want to want to give to them as well, that's a spot you can give uh, that we definitely we, we trust Jonathan, uh, know the guys that are over there and, you know, trust what they're doing and trust them to utilize that correctly. Yeah. And the guy that is over there in Poland, his wife is actually born and raised Ukraine. Yeah. Um, Ukrainian. And so uh, she's here stateside with their children. And I've been in a few uh, areas with her or a few different times that I've gotten to pray with her. And I mean, the last time that, that we prayed with her and stuff, she prayed out loud in, in Ukrainian and just hearing the sorrow in her voice and just, you know, the cries to God for all of that's going on over there. Cause all of her friends, all of her family is still located in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And so now her husband's over there doing his best to help out as well. So she's still here stateside taking care of the family and you know, all of her loved ones are still there. So, so yeah, I mean, it hits close to home for sure. Even being over here and this is about two or three weeks later from when the attack first happened and sometimes other news starts to take, I guess, priority. So we want to continue to keep that at the forefront as well. Now it's time to talk about it. Let's talk about it as the part of each episode where we, the host, discuss a question or topic referring to Christianity and or faith. We hope that this segment is informational, transforming, intriguing, and encourages you to have a desire to learn more about who God is. If you have a question for us to discuss on an episode referring to Christianity or religion, feel free to message us on our Evidence Podcast pages on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at evidencemediagroup at gmail.com. 
And for our Spotify listeners, you can even respond to our public question each week with your own questions, and it may be featured here on a future episode. We'd love to hear from you and come be a part of our evidence podcast. With that said, let's talk about it. And this question of the week is, how should I, as a follower of Jesus, engage with social media? Post a daily Bible verse on your Facebook feed. Mm. Only on post, Instagram stories. Post your, post your devotional with a mug of coffee that has some kind of Sadie Robertson quote on it. Mm. That mm, You can already that. see the reception by our mm's. Yes. Mm. And just throw all the hashtags like hashtag humility, hashtag being with Jesus in the secret place. Mm -hmm. Mm. If you're not using TikTok to do a up close zoom of your face and telling me that I am beautiful and wonderfully created. That's true. Then you're not using your social media, right? Like, like I, I have a word from the Lord that I believe that you need right now. You are beautiful you are awesome and you have a purpose and that is to donate to my venmo that's right down here so i could keep making awesome content i needed that jordan that, that was what, yeah that touched me that one one if we I were mean, rating all of those look, if we're I making tiktoks which eventually we want to do that's that's it bro yeah well i don't even ha- i don't even have a tiktok but i have seen too many videos like that surface on other social media accounts mm-hmm. since i'm talking i guess i can actually answer the question um, oh, are we not answering already? <laughs> yeah, i thought we were answering these were actual suggestions <laughs> yeah well my suggestions are terrible don't do them but um so my take will probably come off a little more conservative than others so hopefully my answer won't be the only answer because my answer to how I, as a follower of Jesus, should engage social media, I've learned for me personally that I need to make sure that I'm not on social media that much. Because for me personally, my soul can't take what is going on in social media in general. Um, And I used to have a Facebook page and I deleted it because it felt like elementary school lunchroom where everyone's just picking on each other and throwing food at each other. And like, I just knew every time I logged on, it was just going to be detrimental to my soul. And that was going to draw me further away from Jesus and closer to him. And so for me personally, I needed to get off of Facebook and even with the other social medias that I am on. I just have to consistently be aware of what I'm viewing, what I'm taking in and how that is affecting my soul and how that's affecting my heart, how that's affecting how I love others. And so, so for me, I, I take a minimalist approach when it comes to social media. Um, I know there are legitimate Christian influencers that are out there and putting out great content and reaching people for the cause of Christ. And I applaud them. Um, but from my personal perspective, I actually am choosing more and more to disengage from social media um, and trying to engage more and more with God and with people around me. So I think it's good I gave an answer because I gave most likely the most 
boring and vanilla answer, but nonetheless, that's where I'm coming from. And that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. So I, I actually do agree with you for the most part, Jordan. And, you know, because I think we as human beings can definitely let social media be way too prominent in our lives. And we end up like just the amount of time that we will spend on social media. And you're right that you end up getting presented with all of this, just super negative information and a lot of drama and then how you engage with a lot of those things. I mean, you can, you can always kind of tell like when you have a conversation with somebody one-on-one where you're, where you're in person, you're able to read body language, you're able to read their face. Like there are a lot of things that come out contextually, um, contextually in that situation. And then it's like, you take a step back from that. It's like over the phone. Now you get to hear their voice. And so you can kind of get the tone, but you really can't see their body language. And sometimes you'll, you know, that kind of breaks it a little bit more. You keep going further and further until eventually you get to like Facebook comments and Facebook comments are the worst thing about like, you didn't punctuate it correctly. And now it means something completely different than what you initially yes, intended. Facebook comments are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And my thing with that is like, just if you can't engage positively with someone, then don't engage with them. Like, why are you getting on social media and having a fight with someone that it doesn't even matter. You know, it's a, it's a high school buddy that you haven't met in years. It's a, a cousin that you don't, that you would never talk to, you know, except for the fact that they're on social media. And why are you engaging with their stupidity? Like, let them be stupid and that's okay. You don't have to correct them. You're not their parent. You're not their God. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, know your lane It is, is a part of my thing with social media. However, I do want to say all of that and then turn around and say that, there are a lot of really positive things that ends up happening with Facebook. And I'll, yeah, I'll mention, you know, one, when COVID, you know, first started, a lot of churches were using Facebook and other social media platforms to be able to like live stream their services, to be able to, you know, preach a sermon live. And it was a free way to do that. It was an easily accessible way to do that, where it was, they already had the friends, the, the friend, you know, links and all of that, those kind of things. And so there were uses that we as Christians are able to make out of a software that is not in and of itself, like a quote unquote godly software. But I, I do think we have to be very careful more from an individual basis on how we guard ourselves against social media, because we can let ourselves get sucked in and not, and we end up having disauthentic relationships with people over social media when we could be having very authentic relationships with people in person. And, and we have ended up allowing that substitute one way for another. And, you know, the other thing with the, with the algorithms on social media, like they are doing everything in their power to get you to spend as much time as possible on their social media platform. And that if you don't believe it, just do the research on it. Uh, there was a whole documentary, I think it was called The Social Dilemma. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that's a whole documentary that breaks all of that stuff down and like how these you know things work. And I remember after I after I watched that uh, documentary, I literally I no longer sleep with my phone in the same room anymore because I I 100% caught myself like I would wake up in the morning, the first thing I would do is check my emails, and that would ruin my whole day because over the night, like I would generally get 20 to 30 emails. Most of them work related. And then it's like, I wake up and the first thing that happens is that my world is on fire. And so it's like, I have started putting my phone in the other room. I literally, I keep it in my office and I don't check it until I've had my cup of coffee. 
I come up to the office, I finally sit down in front of my laptop and, you know, kick into work. And that's when I actually pick up my phone and check it. Um, and if you're like, what's my alarm clock, you know what, go buy an alarm clock. It's not that hard or, you know, get your wife to do it, which is what I, you know, what we typically tend to do. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Like I said, I, there can be a lot of positives about social media and it's really about how you utilize it. But I also think more from just the non-Christian perspective, just from the human perspective, we have to, we have to unplug from those things periodically. And if you, if you're the kind of person that you're like, I don't know if I can do that, then you're the person who needs to do that more than anyone. Like just turn it off for a week and see what happens. You know, just try it. No, for sure. Uh, I absolutely agree with, with both of you guys. Uh, I think that there's social media gets a bad rep, especially, you know, with the way that it can be used and how so often it does become used. But I also think that it is a huge tool. I think that it's a huge weapon, spiritual weapon, a huge weapon, not spiritual weapon that can be used to harm others as well. And so I think that with social media, as any other indulgent in your life, has to have parameters and it needs to have boundaries um, to the point that, like JT, you said that it doesn't become something that takes up all of your time. It doesn't become something like you said, Jordan, that takes over you know, even your mind and can control, I guess, like, I guess you were saying like your, your temperament or sometimes your attitude or how you even perceive yourself. Right. And so, so often I feel like social media does that. I mean, there's so many times that, that we see that it, that bullying or whatever, especially in today's high schools and middle schools, that a lot of that has been rooted at home on social media. And so back when we were in school, we're not even that old, but back when we were in school, a lot of that didn't, happen at home you could kind of turn it off it was like home was your safe space you went to school and might have got picked on or made fun of or whatever but then you got to come home and kind of turn that off which we had myspace so i guess we did endure a little bullying because and we had aim too you weren't top five man (laughs) what is aim i don't have i yeah you're older than me apparently with aim i know it is messenger it's instant messenger but i never had it like no So it was no, like a it, different it was, software. It was essentially like email. I feel like it was like text messaging. You from had your computer. You had an American right? online username. Um, mine was Air Jordan Lang twenty two, but back then they told you not to use your name, so you would use like, like, Horse Chick four two eight xoxo, and it would just basically be like texting, but from American Online's platform. Huh. Um, but but back then you couldn't be on the phone and doing instant messaging at the same time. So while you're in seventh grade trying to pick up chicks on AIM and your mom gets a call, your mom's going to yell at you. And anyway, I could go on. Yeah, and on sorry, that, that. that was a complete no, sidebar. I had just never. No, heard that's that before. no, that's fine. Um, yeah. But I wanted to also touch on and just to emphasize something JT said earlier, too. And it was about responding to people on social media and whether you choose to engage or not with social media, especially as a follower of Jesus, since the question was, how should I, as a follower of Jesus, engage social media? Everything that we do should be done in love. I think it's John 13 that it says that you will prove that you are my disciples by the way that you love. and like commenting hateful things on social media is not pointing people towards the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And 
And there's a difference between, and there's a tension because there's calling out injustice, like for an example, calling out that what Vladimir Putin is currently doing to Ukraine is not right. There's a level of calling that out versus like, look, gas prices are higher than a GPA. So let's just put a bunch of Joe Biden stickers on gas stations that say, I did this. And like, that's demeaning someone who is made in the image of God. And that's not the way of Jesus. And so regardless of how you engage with social media, and I know it's really easy to, to let the world blast people and the world is hateful and there's cancel culture, gaslighting, like there's so much stuff, but for us as followers of Jesus, we should be the ones that are engaging social media first from a posture of love to love those on the opposite political aisle, love those on the opposite denominational aisle or whatever. And we're just called to love. And so if you can't love on social media, then you should probably get off of social media. And to be honest, you should probably get on your knees and just pray before the Lord and ask him to like, just point out areas in your life that you need more love. Yeah. 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 For me, I started thinking, I was like, we're not going to have a whole lot of scriptural references because it turns out social media and modern technology are not really mentioned in the Bible, despite what you may think. Um, and despite having true. modern technological Bibles on the Uversion app, shameless plug that I have no actual contacts with. But um, with that said, I was thinking about just I feel like when you're on social media, you have to ask your, yourself the question of what is my purpose behind being on social media? Is it to follow current news? Is it to see what my friends are up to? And is it to have discussions and actual conversations? Is it just to troll people? Is it to, unfortunately, in today's world, show off my body? Or is it to show off the things that I own and the things that I possess? And so I begin to kind of think about those things and why we may even get on uh, social media. And I started thinking about when Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter one, verse 10, he says, um, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And so that was him writing to the Galatians um, of that time. And so he was just saying that if my purpose with what I'm doing right now is to please people, then that's not of God that makes me a servant to people, not a servant to God. And that can go as far as just, oh man, I went on this missions trip and look at these cute little orphan babies <laughs> and look at me doing so much good for the world. Well, then that mm -hmm. took out what you were doing good for the world. That has now made it about yourself and your selfishness has taken over for that. And I think that that's the root of a lot of issues that we see on social media is people can't have intellectual conversations because they want to always be right. And yeah. their pride causes them to do that. Uh, the amount of conversations that I have seen on social media of just, it could have been nipped in the bud, but no one wants to heed way to the other. And mm -hmm. it goes on for 80 to 90 comments. And you're just yeah. like the meme with Michael Jackson eating your popcorn, <laughs> Yeah, you know, just watching the show happen. And it's just like, you and a lot of times it's Christians, so I'm going to call Christians out on this. And it's like you neither one of you are showing Christ right now at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're 
now you've just ruined a piece of your testimony and you've ruined a good thing of be of having social media that is worldwide global. I'm able to contact all of my friends in Kenya to this day and keep up with them. When I lived in Kenya, I was able to talk to my now wife. I was able to FaceTime her, not just talk to her over her phone after nine o'clock like it was when we grew up. I literally could FaceTime her at any time of the day and see her right there. And so the technology that we have is incredible and it is an incredible tool that we get to use to use it impactfully for God's kingdom. But so often our own personal selves and our imperfect people that we are, we have corrupted it in certain ways. And so we do have to question those things as well. Um, I'm in a like leadership group at our church. It's at 6 a.m. on Wednesdays. <laughs> and so we record on Wednesdays. So uh, the 6 a.m. class today actually was talking about people over blank. And he had people over uh, program, people over purpose, people over whatever. But one of the topics was people over post. And by post, he meant like social media post. And he talked about how if we have a people-minded self, if we are, like you said, Jordan, loving on people, then we should be able to refrain from some of the posts that we have, whether it's mm-hmm. a post that derogates that um, tears down somebody, yeah. whether it's a post that someone said something that kind of triggered you, but you responding is going to actually just make that continue rather than, you know, defuse the situation. Um, I try to... I try to be pretty good with this. Um, you know, there's times that I've spoken out about certain things, not really ever political, but there's times that I've spoken out about things and people know where I lie. There is a lot of times that I just sit back and watch it. And I'm like, there's no reason for me to jump in this. And JT, you said it, (laughs) I would say nine out of 10 times, nothing is solved in the comment section of a Facebook, Instagram, TikTok comment, Yeah, you know? And so I, I, I can't tell you how many times I have like typed up a response to someone and then been mm-hmm. like, nope, not going to say it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just delete, delete it. Delete, delete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The draft section on my Twitter page was nuts. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think, JT, to an earlier point you made, because with social media, we often and we don't get political here, but social media has become politicized because we're in these consistent echo chambers with algorithm and everything like that. But if you lean, let's say far left or even just slightly left and you see someone in your church like or retweet or post something that promotes like a extreme far right wing like ideology, then often you instantly stereotype that person as being this and this and this. But if you actually grab coffee or tea or whatever it is that you would want to like gather around and you actually get to know the person more likely than not, they're not the like person that stormed the Capitol on January 6th or the person who's sipping their like specialty coffee in Portland, who just thinks that gas emissions are the end of the world or whatever. But if we actually get to know people instead of just assuming that, what they post on social media is who they are, then that's when we can really love people well. And yes, there's a level of engaging social media and loving in that way. But I think the greatest sign of love is what we do in person over technology. Like for an example, 
if I make the most eloquent post on Instagram about my wife on our anniversary, but yet when I actually see her in person, if I don't really love her, then am I really loving her? And that's a tension that we have to face as just people, but especially as Christians, like if we're posting things just so other people can see how well we love, to be frank, that's pretty pharisaical of us to want to show off how much we love. Yeah. yeah. And and that's not to say that, you know, we were giving it a hard time when we first started this segment of just, you are beautifully and wholefully, <laughs> wonderfully made. And, you know, here's our verse of the day. You know, I have no issue with somebody actually using that. I may mock you and laugh at you at times, but you know, if you're using that as a platform to try to show love and that's just your way of showing love and using that platform, then by all means, go ahead and do that. You know, I don't have an issue with that at all. And that goes for freedom of speech. Say what you want to say, but try not to, you know, there's a, there's a line of where it's like, this is how I feel. And this is what I say. And this is what I believe in. And this is me forcing it upon you, or this is me arguably or putting you down to prove a point. That's very, very different than just saying, John 316, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where yeah. I'm at on it. Yeah, no, and I'll, and I'll uh, say two other caveats on, on all of that. Just, you know, all of us are active in social media and, you know, definitely spawn there and she use it as a platform for this podcast to like post stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, we definitely utilize social media and honestly, I think anybody in business today if you're not utilizing social media you need to jump on it and do it but i wanted to give like one little caveat uh specifically towards church leaders and how they engage in social media because i saw a lot of stuff over you know especially the political election season this last year where pastors and other church leaders were posting kind of their their personal opinion which they're obviously allowed to have but they were posting it in a, and they were using their position as a pastor to kind of amplify that. And I think Preach a lot of, JT. yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, you gotta, you gotta be careful with who is seeing that and, and who your flock is. Cause you gotta really take care of that. And you don't want your position as a pastor to look like a political position. You are a pastor, you're a representative of Jesus Christ, and that is your focus and not saying that you can't have a personal opinion obviously we all have personal opinions but don't let your personal opinion look like christ's personal opinion and and that's where i i kind of want to give a caveat there uh, towards people because it's like Mm -hmm. you have to be so much more cautious when you're a church leader and in that position because of from what you say and then the other the other thing i wanted to say and this is just kind of blanket across everybody is if you can openly admit when you were wrong about something you are so much better of a person in my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I see it all the time where people get, and I guess what ends up happening, and maybe it's just a, a human nature thing that we do. I don't know. But it's like, you say that you believe this one thing and you are adamant about the fact that you believe that thing. And you, you've been vocal about it. You've been public about it. Everybody knows that Carol over here believes that if you put mayonnaise in your soup potato casserole, that it's better. But eventually, Carol figures out that she's wrong, and nobody likes mayonnaise and the sweet potato casserole. But Carol needs to come out on the platform and admit that 
hey, this thing that I was so public about and got in so many of your faces about, about mayonnaise in my sweet potato casserole, I was wrong about this. I'm sorry. I'm not going to put mayonnaise in my sweet potato casserole anymore. Like there are so many things like that where it's like, just be honest and transparent. And, you know, if you don't, especially if you're somebody who is very public, because I think that's just one of our biggest failings as humans is being able to walk away and say, okay, you know, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You know, you showed me the information. I believe you. It's convincing. I was wrong. You know, here we go. Let's, let's move on with this. Yeah. The pastor of transformation church, Mike Todd. And so you may have heard about him because he made headlines a few weeks ago from he's on the TikTok from something that he did. He is, he is, he's on, he's on everything, man. Um, But he, what I wanted to shout out is just, he calls his church. He's like, we're transformation church. He says, we're a hot church, H O T. And H O T stands for humble, open, transparent. (laughs) And I'm like, if that's how we all could be, if we could just all be hot, you know, if we could just all be humble at times and be like, yeah, I do wrong. For instance, Mike Todd, Made a mistake on stage uh, not too long ago, and you can research that. I don't care to have a discussion about it, but made a mistake, came out the next Monday or Tuesday and admitted to his wrongdoing. And he's like, I went back and rewatched the sermon. And yeah, like that was was a little uncalled for. So um, he was humble about it and, and open and transparent about the fact that I made a mistake. I'm asking for forgiveness. Let's move on. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. So let's be hot people, you know? Yeah. I mean, speaking of hot people, one last thing about the church leaders, which JT, you hit the nail on the head. Yes, you did. Because if we as pastors, but ultimately for all of us as Christians, but especially for pastors who are called to set an example to lead, which the word lead in Latin is to go forth and die. So we are actually called as leaders to lead the charge, to lay down our lives for the sake of our flock. And if that's what we're doing and we're pursuing the way of Jesus, then the way of Jesus isn't the Instagrammable life. Like it's not $2,000 J's on a platform. The way of Jesus is actually being in the midst of people and serving them and loving them well. And so for those of us that are church leaders, I think it's time for us to quit propping up our Sunday morning sermon. And it's about time that we actually focus on loving people well. This sounds like a fun conversation that we'll have. I'm going to say next episode and there'll be a little preview that it'll be, you know, should like a preachers and sneakers. Yeah. 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 Like should a a pastor be allowed to, uh, I I guess like be rich or indulge in the fancy ways of life or join us next week, you know, so there's panel (laughs) discussion. Let's bring Joel Osteen, Mike Todd, Matt Chandler, and Francis Chan. Oh, you didn't say Furtick? I thought she would. Nah, we'll leave him out of it. He's hot. He's hot on the lips of Jordan. He's he's probably <laughs> he's probably too busy propping up his son's like music career. Oh man. <laughs> Stay that, tuned. That'll be next week. Remember, yeah. use your social media platform wisely. It's not a bad thing. It can actually be a very good thing. And uh, we'll get to hear on our next episode what we mm. think about. Uh, I guess celebrity pastors is a good way to put it. So that'll be next week's uh, let's talk about it segment. So, but yeah, as far as this one goes, I think that loving others and showing that love on there and being aware of other people on there, uh, on there being social media. I think that that's how a Christian should act. Be bold with your faith, but 
you know, also realize that anything that you do say, react, whatever on social media is a representation of Christ in you. So for this week's evidence testimony, I am honored to be able to introduce the guest this week. And she would just happen to be my lovely wife, Sarah. She is a mother of three beautiful blessings that we call our children. She volunteers within our youth ministry and has had a major impact on many young ladies, helping them understand their identity in Christ and who they were made to be. And she has experienced some things in her life that will hopefully encourage you and lift you up in whatever season you're in. And so without further ado, here is Sarah Lang. Thank you. What an intro. Um, thanks, guys, for having me. I've really enjoyed listening to all the other episodes. And I personally really love hearing everyone's stories because I just think it's really cool how God shows up in everyone's life. And it doesn't look the same to everyone. And I think that's really cool how God meets you where you're at. And um, he has proved himself to be evident in this way in my life too. When I was young, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm the oldest and um, my family always went to church. My parents loved each other. We grew up on a farm. It was just a lot of fun. My friends often said, oh, you have the perfect family. And of course you're like, no, I don't, but you really do. No, <laughs> um, no, but we, we loved Jesus and they took us to church every, every Sunday. I was saved at a young age, but like, I think all people go through this stage, especially if you grow up in the church where you kind of have to, they say, make your faith your own, right? So you have to choose to follow Jesus yourself. And for a reason other than my parents are bringing me to church and they tell me, that God is the way. So when I was in middle school, about seventh, eighth grade, I really started struggling with that, just like learning about different religions in my history classes and struggling with how do I know God is the real God is the one true God and that I should follow him. And so I ran track in middle school and one year, my eighth grade year, I got really, really injured. Um, I had shin splints really badly. And by the end of the season, it was to the point where I, I really shouldn't have been running, but I was really stubborn and competitive. And so um, my last meet, I was warming up and really limping. And even my coach, and my parents, they were like, you don't have to run. I was like, no, I, I want to prove myself. Um, and I ran the race and I collapsed over the finish line. My legs could not hold me anymore. And I was in really, really a lot of pain. My dad had to carry me from the finish line to the car and I was writhing in the back seat. I remember not going to the doctor that day, but we were just going to wait it out and see just, you know, what was to come of it. So we stopped at a friend's house, grabbed some crutches. And this was um, in the day before, you know, I had a cell phone. So when I was going to sleep that night, I remember I was in so much pain and 
I was on the opposite end of my house. So my parents couldn't hear me if I tried to yell for them. I clearly couldn't text them because I didn't have a phone. And um, I don't know why this didn't occur to me, um, but uh, I didn't think to just go down the stairs like on my bottom. So <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I was um, laying in bed and I was in an extreme amount of pain and I couldn't go to sleep and I wasn't able to go downstairs um, to find my parents to get any pain meds or anything. And so I remember at that point, just really crying out to God. And this was still in that season of doubt. And yeah, so I just started praying like, God, if you're real, can you just help me go to sleep? Like, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to go to sleep. I was in so much pain. And in that moment, it was the coolest thing ever. I just felt someone rubbing my legs. And I remember going to sleep. And from then on, my life is forever for Jesus because he showed himself to me. And like, there's no other explanation of that happening except for the Lord showing himself to me and being so faithful. And I, I was thinking about this too. Um, cause we, Jordan and I were talking about this just a few months ago and I was thinking about it and we did end up going to the doctor and I figured I had stress fractures, like all in my legs. Um, cause it was shin splints and I just, you know, just with the amount of pain I was in, I couldn't put weight on my legs. It just made sense that it would be stress fractures. And we got an x-ray and the doctor literally didn't see anything on the x-rays. And I just think that's so cool. Like looking back on that and like, it didn't even show up on x-rays and yeah. So that was really cool. Um, so that was a turning point for my life spiritually. And I'm so thankful looking back of, as we like go in our life, of course, it's easier to look back and see how God has been showing himself through different seasons. And I definitely feel like my life has been split up into seasons because the next year, um, my parents started having, well, they probably were already having, but I found out about having a lot of really severe marital problems. And I was a freshman in high school and was very, very aware of the turmoil that was going on in my home. Um, and so I, looking back to that moment that the Lord was like, you're mine and I love you. And my life was turned around for him. Like how perfect of a timing that was because the rest of my childhood was really, really challenging. So, um, yeah, I graduated high school. Um, the Lord blessed me with really, really good friends too in that season that I really clung to and really amazing adults that loved Jesus. I went to school my freshman year away to college. And then in that summer after it was actually when I met Jordan and we started dating, but I also spent the whole summer in prayer about where I was to go more specifically the major I was going to have in college. I was just really wrestling with what I had already declared and the Lord called me to come back home. And I never imagined myself living at home again, commuting to school. Typically when you talk to a high schooler, that's not really their, you know, their dream college is to go. Um, I don't know, some, maybe some kids, but it wasn't mine. So I moved back home, never doubted that the Lord had called me back home and just wasn't sure why still. And then, um, thankfully Jordan actually was 
going to school at a community college also. He had been called back home for a year. So our first year of dating was a true blessing because we were both in the same state and we really got to know each other and develop a really good relationship and foundation for the rest of our life. And then my sophomore year, my dad ended up leaving us and moving out. And after probably a couple of years, then started divorce proceedings and it turned into, I mean, I don't know if any divorce is nice, but it was really, really ugly. And unfortunately I got to see a lot of the ugliness of that. And then, um, the divorce was finalized when Jordan and I were newly married. So it lasted quite a while of just a lot of hurt, a lot of heartache, a lot of broken relationships that have had to be mended and really um, fought for. But even through that, in the timing of me coming home, of meeting Jordan and God placing Jordan in my life, that like just the timing of everything in my life has been so orchestrated by the Lord. And then we got married. We had our little girl, Nora. We were at a church that um, we we liked the church. It was, they were such good people. They loved the Lord, but we just felt like we weren't going to be there for a long time. We just both had this feeling. And then Jordan told me he wanted to start pursuing church planning. And um, that was kind of a big thing for me. I just remember wrestling with it. I remember rocking in a rocking chair with Nora. She's a baby, like, Lord, is this what you want for us? It doesn't seem like it is. And I was just really struggling with it. Um, So of course it's like over a series of like months and a lot of things that happened in between, but we basically found out that God was shutting the door for church planning. And we were kind of left in a sea of doubt in, in, not in, not in the Lord, but for what he wanted for our life because we thought it was this and then it wasn't we weren't ready or god wasn't called calling us to it um and so the lord again just brought some really really amazing people and mentors into our life that told us about the program that we came to in illinois and so we both grew up in ohio our whole family is still in ohio for the most part and then we found out about this program I had just found out I was pregnant again. And so I remember um, driving down the road to work, praying about this program because, you know, I'm expecting my second baby. I knew it was going to be difficult to have two children. And we were potentially talking about moving away from family and to a place that we didn't know anyone. And so I was just praying And I just felt like the Lord whispered to me, I will sustain you. Because I was like, how am I going to do this? How are we going to do this? And he said, I will sustain you. And that's all he said, but that's all I needed. And I've clung to that since then. And he, again, has time and time again, not that he has to prove himself, but he's been so kind and gracious to show himself and to just show his faithfulness. And I've been so, so grateful in my heart. And after that prayer, I was like, we're going to Illinois. It honestly was not even a sure thing, but in my heart, I was like, we're going. And then we found out we were having twins and that was like (laughs) a big, oh goodness. So I was really grateful for those words. I will sustain you after that because I did not know how hard my life was going to be, how hard our life was going to be. 
the next <laughs> three years and end on because the boys are three now and it's still really hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we moved to Illinois and honestly, like it hasn't been smooth sailing. I don't think any part of life is because Jesus tells us that we will have trouble in this world, but that he has overcome it. And so I, I really take rest in that and, and I take it to heart because he's got this and we really feel called to our city, to our church. We love our people. We feel like this is where God's called us. And he's just been really good and really evident in our life. He's not going to stop. It may be a hard season, a tough season, but he's still there. And I'm really confident in that and really thankful for his presence. Before we go, we want to give a quick evidence recommends from each of us hosts. And this week, my recommendation is if you are a Christian and into rap music or just into positive rap music, there is a rapper that I randomly discovered this past week just from being on a Christian rap playlist. And her name is Reese Lachey. Now, I'm not going to lie. When I first started listening to the music, I thought, man, this guy sounds good. And then I looked it up and looked at the artist and I was like, oh, that's a woman. Um, and so despite that fact, I, I just think that the music was great. The flows were incredible and uh, great lyricists on top of that as well. So uh, female rapper Reese Lachey is fire. Go check her out. Yeah. That, so my, that, <laughs> that was so much better. <laughs> Are you going to say? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so my recommendation is more of a practice. And it's the practice of encouragement. Uh, there's just so many times that there are people just going through life and like all they just need to turn their mood upside down is encouragement. And especially for those of us that follow Jesus, we're called to encourage each other. And so if you think of someone, um, you could pray for them, but I would encourage you to just text them, give them a call and just to encourage someone. and do that and see how their day gets turned around for the good and how even your day could get turned around for the good by encouraging someone. Yeah. Yeah. And mine is, is also going to be a practice. So kind of, you know, going off of what we were talking about earlier with social media, um, my recommendation is actually to take a few days or, you know, a week or so and allow yourself to unplug from social media, um, you know, preferably from electronics altogether and media. Um, in all its form, but, but, you know, social media specifically, that is where we spend most of the time and, or most of our time, you know, I think if, if you unplug for a few days and just let yourself kind of click back to reality and, and what actually happens in a day to walk, I think you'll find a lot of good things, but then not just, you know, not just avoiding that for the sake of avoiding it, but then also filling that time that you would normally spend, um, on other things that actually edify you know, so, so spending that time in prayer, spending that time reading your Bible, um, you know, spending that time practicing an, an instrument or, you know, talking to family members or whatever that you haven't talked to actually physically talked to in a while. Uh, that, that was, so that would just kind of be my recommendation for this week, except for listening to the podcast, chime into the podcast, listen to that. It's edifying. Good save, JT. <laughs> listen to evidence podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's my recommendation. You should listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
as you already have for probably an hour at this point. Right. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. This has been a long one. Yeah. And that's all for this week's episode. I'm Daniel Brooks. I'm Coach Jordan Lang. And I'm JT Shavers. And you've been listening to Evidence. Thanks for lending us your ears. If you like what you've heard, give us a rating and a review. If you didn't like what you hear, either way, we're glad that you stuck around. Still give it a review. We appreciate any kind of feedback you could give us. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. See you guys next week. Ciao. Ciao. (laughs) This has been an Evidence Media Podcast.